0: Blog Talk Radio. and gentlemen, let's get ready to be inspired! Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Preacy! Ladies and gentlemen, Time to get in the game. And hi, hello, and welcome once again. And I know I'm not at the regular time we have been on, but we're back and we're uh, we're, we're running the program. And uh, welcome. This this is the tenth year. We are in the tenth year of doing American tennis. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy and I thank you, and Jason Haynes, you started the UR Tennis Network about 10, no, a little over 10 years ago, but many, many thanks to J.P. Weber, the Yellow Ball Network, for keeping us going and keeping us alive and out there, and, you know, to be truthful, uh, dang, when we started this program, uh, gosh, you know, there weren't any others like this, and uh, it was a pretty new concept, and uh, my friend Ashley Hobson down in, in Florida, he kept saying coach coach you got to get out there you got to get on these videos he actually i've got 15 videos i'm going to reach out to ashley he's got 15 videos i've never put up on youtube or anything and you know we sort of had that saying when i was a kid fool's name fool's face is always seen in public places and you you never want to put anything out that wasn't really good i you know i, I don't need to go into that, but the first book, when I wrote my first book, it took me about 10 years to get the information together, and then when I did it, while wow, it was a process, I had to write it longhand, and you don't want to hear all that story, but the bottom line on the thing, is, we never wanted to put anything out there that, that wasn't either research, true, you had to accomplish something, there weren't so many soapboxes out there, Ashley's always bugged me. Coach, got to get stuff out there, and I might hit him up to get some of those out there sometime. But there's so much stuff out there. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this program, thank you because you're a loyal listener. Thank you because you still think we have something uh, very pertinent to say that's just it's not a video or anything like that. So i got to get up to racing speed, I guess, with the technology. And uh, But, Darn, it's a, <clears throat> you know, you you're so busy with your – coaching and doing the things you need to do and and i want to stay in the tennis and make what i do and tennis very relevant and uh dang i i am absolutely have loved this sport for so long and i want it to remain a sport not an after-school activity i don't want it to be cheapened and i think if you're listening to my program you don't want to either and uh but thank you if you've listened for a lot or any of this 10 years but uh we're going to try to keep it rolling and i'm going to try to i I don't know yet about the videos and all that stuff but we'll we'll see how that all works out but today today i <clears throat> i um you've got to understand every time i go to get a uh someone, you know, that it's going to be very interesting to listen to um I tried a couple different people this, a uh, tif- couple different coaches, and I promise you I will get Josh Goffey on here, who's just been doing a tremendous job at the University of South Carolina with his uh, his program, and they are one of the fastest rising program. but uh, we t- hats off to Brian Shelton out there, I hope maybe later in the summer I can get him on the program and talk about exactly what he's done to make Florida tennis shine so much, but today it's just me and i, I want to talk about something that i'm very passionate about you know solving the tennis scoring dilemma and i want to not just be an alarmist and throw out problems there i want to pro- provide solutions and the great coach at georgia tech kenny thorne always has said coach you've got to try to make a difference you make a lot of good points you've got to try to make a difference and that's absolutely true and uh... whatever Difference we can make, we're going to try to make it make it here on American tennis radio, and uh our program is uh as you say we as we've always said on this program that we want to stand up, speak out, say those things that need to be said, address issues, not people. We will address organizations. I'm hoping the u s t a you're listening or some of your members are listening to this and uh, remember I served USTA in a lot of capacities early in my career and I did a wonderful job for the United States of America and I, the organization when it was a completely a service organization and uh, there are many many good people and many many good things they do I'm not bashing them but I hope you're listening because I want to talk today about something that is really really important to the history of tennis we cannot dilute, pollute, and prostitute our sport if we want it to remain relevant. And uh, the ITA, I don't like you guys too much. You all know that. I, But I was secretary of ITA. I used to sign all the All-American things. I was into it when I was in my early 30s and did all that. But any political organization that is a uh, – you know this organization that says we're running things I that bothers me it even the greatest leaders are servants They're servants of people and I don't like the top-down management as you know I don't like socialist things I like free enterprise I like bottom-up I like we as Americans fighting to provide our own freeways not pathways we want we want freedom more than anything uh... and and again will we we will use these organizations i'm t- not telling you not to support them but once again uh... we do not need systems we need incentives remember everyone out there if you deal with the public if you have an organization could be should be service first service to other people and often that that uh... translate into being a servant sometimes you have to be a servant of the people but service first, and I'm against top-down management, so um, that's our intro. But I want to talk about the scoring system and put a uh, something together for you here. And, and uh, the program will be a little bit shorter today, so I'm going to try to get through it here and uh, make some sense of everything to you. So the history on this, of course, I've been battling against abbreviated scoring Gosh, uh, as I've mentioned before, a guy named Jimmy Van Allen came up with the idea back in the late 70s. I, I don't know what his credentials were for this or reason for, but it seemed like, all right, this could be interesting. And uh, remember, we played three out of five sets in the finals of the NCAA tournament. We've always would play three out of five sets in the finals of the nationals at Kalamazoo. Every three out of five sets was the standard to win any great championships. And of course, they had the tiebreaker. They came along with the tiebreaker to uh, stop, you know, make make things a little bit shorter. I've often mentioned that my greatest memory in junior tennis ever is that I won 20-18 to 18 in the third set one time at a high school match. The score was 9-7, 3-6, 2018. I learned tennis bravery that day. I got a great recall button for the rest of my life that day. So I've never been for abbreviating anything, but we went to tiebreakers. Then the Jimmy Van Allen came out with the thing, oh, this vast scoring system, Van Allen scoring system. And they did it for a while as an experimental thing in college tennis. And very quickly, within about two years, I realized some of the best counterpunchers and some of the best schwarzman like players schwarzman or smaller players were taking losses i go i couldn't believe it especially in the indoor courts and things like that where the points were quicker and shorter and you would see someone knock off a game or and you didn't see the uh the the opportunity that smaller players had to break down someone's serve much like if you're watching the college world series right now it's so interesting to see how the great coaches whether it's the Tim Corbin or the at Vanderbilt or the coaches out there at the other schools they break down the pitcher they like to get deep into the count for a reason they break the pitcher down very much you had to do that if you wanted to beat the big servers but The NOAD came in, I saw people lose. I started battling back in the mid-80s against it, but remember back in the mid-80s we were able to play all summer with traditional scoring, we were able to play other tournaments with traditional scoring, and it didn't really hurt you that bad because we played so many matches. And then in the 90s we went ahead and uh, the USTA realized it is not a rule of tennis so they and some of we coaches battled and battled and finally we got traditional scoring back but for about the next 15 years there were little little talks about from some of the schools that maybe didn't train that hard or maybe had fewer matches and uh, some of the schools were more liberal to tell you the truth they wanted shortened things because Uh, it's sort of, everybody knows this, folks. I've said it before. It's all right to be smarter than your hound dog. You don't want to have to outrun them. But but everybody knows, too, it's nature, nurture, self. You've got God-given talent. You have opportunities, and then you have guts and fight and willpower and work that go along with it, and that's the American way. If you take away the ability to extend games and tennis and things, so what the heck happens? Well, then your hard workers, often their work is diminished. It goes to being more talent-oriented, very much like a, a very short shot clock in basketball. And I don't want to go into other sports the way that we are bastardizing those sports as well, emphasizing talent, athletic talent, more than hard-earned skill set, hard-earned skill set through blood, sweat, and tears. The work that you do is not honored with abbreviated scoring. So we had so many players take losses. I remember, I'm not going to point them out, but there's some very, very great players that never surfaced because of no ad scoring. They never were able to do their deal much like a middleweight boxer being able to being able to minimize the effects of the big, big ball strikers. So tennis became less interesting. Then you had the evolution of the high tech rackets, and then you had more abbreviations and more people, flim-flam men coming in and say, let's try this, let's try that. So long and short of it, I've been really, really battling this. I retired from college coaching first time 2008, but the battle went on even when I was overseas working in the ITF. I would argue with the great Dave, Dave Miley, if you're listening out there, I would argue with you all the time about the 10-point tiebreaker for the third set and how wrong it was that when someone wins a 10-point tiebreaker, it's sort of like kissing Aunt Sally. It's not really or uncle George, if you're a lady you know so you, it it is absolutely not a rite of passage when you win a tiebreaker for the third set guess what when you lose a tiebreaker for the third set i also realized that it doesn't hurt the players enough for them to make them want to go out and practice again and practice again and practice again very often they'll just say well tiebreaker caused it and that would be the deal on that and so and The whole deal with the uh, ten point tiebreaker, and and you know I, I battled and battled to try to get them to. I battled like crazy to try to get them to to do away with that when I worked overseas, and even then when I went to work at a, a great training center in in um, College Park, Maryland. I was writing articles, articles, and battling against that. And very soon, I will have an article coming out <clears throat> in a magazine about about some of this. But uh, I'll keep that under wraps for for now, for later. But the 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 point being is that I've been battling this for a long, long time because in, in what I have always believed that we have the greatest sport in the world. Why are we minimizing? Why are we minimizing? So very often, I believed that, uh, excuse me, for the longest time that it was for the people who never worked hard and they wanted to make the scoring more random or the results more random. And it was only later, about five or six years ago, I found out the real reason for, and I'm not going to get into that, but there's a big lie going on out there, a big lie to all of us. The big lie is that this is done to just make everything shorter and so time limits for time limits. And I've always asked people, what we used to do, we got plenty of tournaments in. We used to have so much better results. I can go to the statistics of the mid-'80s. We had 40 up to 41 American-born players Junior players who went to college made the top 100 in ATP, or in ATP and WTA. 40, 41. Today we have a grand total of four. And uh, wow, what in the heck's going on in American tennis there? What in the heck? Are we a bunch of softies? I don't think we want to be. I think we have the willpower to be tough. and We have the willpower to be for the American way to win out and be the to be the toughest training there is. <clears throat> but that's that's what happens. So it's a big, big lie. Um, the other big lie I hear all the time now—they're pushing it down into junior tennis, uh, abbreviated scoring—and and, you know when something's a lie and it's been rehearsed. Because here's the one I always hear. Listen, if you're out there listening, you're going to get a big kick out of this. But I I cannot tell you less than more than fifty people, not less than fifty in probably the past seven or eight years said, Chuck, you're so passionate about what you talk about. You're so passionate. Well, that's sort of the, as, as good as that sounds, that's fine, but I know that's one's rehearsed, and that's sort of the way they disclaim, you know, what I'm saying, and I'm not doing a martyr thing here. But here is the thing I've heard probably 25 times. Since the USTA has really pushed through the abbreviations for no ad scoring and the third set tiebreaker, oh, oh, youngster and junior, we're getting you ready to play college tennis. Well, this is, this is the thing too, folks, and I want to go through this because I want to get to the real part of this program is to give you some other solutions and how to think about that, but I've got to give you the history on this but the the real thing is that they lied cheated stole i'm not saying they stole i'm saying they lied and cheated which aren't something to go to jail for you should be ashamed of yourself but the ita lied and cheated so badly to push in the scoring system we put it down as coaches no less than four times there were there were petitions by from the women's coaches one of our best Women's coaches in history put a petition together we had 194 signatures against, went through all the legislative processes and defeated it up to four times. And guess what? The ITA pushed it through anyway. Those dirty bombs, those bombs. what the heck were they doing? Come on, you guys did a bad thing there, you know, and that the big lie. But after that, people on the committee would say, oh, oh, in junior tennis, well, we've got to get the kids ready for college tennis now. I'm saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute! College is the big kingpin because if they get college, now they're forcing it into juniors. And then I see the lay of the land here, and the end game, the end game is to get five or six years from now, all of our kids will not have played a third set. Most of our college players will only have played no ad scoring. UTR now has gone predominantly to no ad scoring and tiebreakers for the third set. So guess what? Do you really think there are going to be any Chuck Creases out there or J.P. Webbers or any traditional, whether it's J.W. Eisenhower, the great J.W. Eisenhower, or any older coaches or people who want to protect the tradition and the heritage and the history and the heritage of the game battling People will be used to it. Everybody will be dumbed down. So that is the end game. So that's the big lie. The big lie is that regular scoring's too hard. Well, you know what, folks? If you watch the French Open and you saw Swartzman play Nadal in that what was that quarterfinal match or the semi? Oh my gosh, that was brilliant tennis, wasn't it? And the third set where Nadal finally broke him down a little bit, you, you wanted to get up and beat your chest and just say, how brave are tennis players? And then the finals. What about the third set? The third set with Djokovic. No one recognizes either the key for Djokovic winning that match was the fact he was down 5-0, and then he spent another 35 minutes winning the, the next three games or four games and suffered a lot. What, and to send a message to Nadal to say, you know what, I ain't going away. I'm going to be here every point. Do you really think our kids with no ad scoring would be able to battle back from a 5-0 deficit and at least make that kind of a message? Also, if anybody, if you saw that third set, how, how brave were those competitors? Whether you like Djokovic or don't. Whether you like Nadal or don't, everyone respects those guys for the bravery, for the courage, for the way they play. And if you watch any professional on the men's side or the women's side, and when they have to get into these war zones and these tough games, you understand that the rite of passage happens with this. So why are we breaking the sport down? Politically, there are some... Really big reasons why, from their standpoint, and it has to do with things that are not quite that honorable. To tell you the truth, folks, I'm not going to go there today. I had an earlier program in 2019. I went the whole time and unveiled everything about where this is coming from. One of the things that bothers me a little bit is my friend told me that the other day on television, John McEnroe, and John, if you know, come on, I knew you as a kid, a little kid. And, and the thing is, you know, you at least know who I am, I think. But call me. Tell me if you are really, really, really far abbreviated scoring. I think you said something about it should be shortened. Now, wait a minute. That's not you. What the heck? You're one of the bravest competitors out one of the best competitors ever in the sport. Really? Really? I'm saying this as a tribute to you, but my one of my friends said, I don't know accurately, if you did or not, but my golly, we need to defend the history and a heritage of the game. If your records are to stand strong, and if all the records of the great players, the Rod Lavers, the Ken Rosewald, the Margaret Courts, and all of the Chris Everts, all of the great players are to stand, we, we are not to abbreviate things now and bastardize our game. I mean, what, what the heck? So anyhow, maybe I'm wrong there. I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. The bottom line on the thing I want to want to start with the, these points now the teaching points. As a teacher of tennis for for nearly 50 years, 44 years in the collegiate ranks coaching, and then another five years in the non. And with with all the coaching I've done, I have realized that the steps in of training a player is the number one. Is to get a player to lengthen rallies. I think you would agree with that. The first thing, don't we try to work with our kids and get them to make rallies longer? Okay, don't then don't we try to get them to make points longer? I have a great friend, the Mike great Mike Springelmayr. His son was uh, one uh, great. Uh, he was number one player, American player, in college in 1997. Was on the pro tour, made top 100 in doubles, but his dad made the most both most brilliant statement that was so simple one time when he's talking to a group of high school kids he said youngsters if you want to win all your high school matches and if you're a high school player listen to this listen to what i'm saying if you can make six balls in a row every point you will win all your high school matches right that's exactly the truth if you can get deep into points regardless of what anybody says if you can make six balls in a row when you're playing tennis you, you no one's going to beat you at the level you're at at a high school level. And uh you know, I don't care how big their serve is, nobody can do it consistently. If you can make six rallies, six points in a row or six rallies in a row during a point. So you learn to lengthen rallies and you learn to lengthen points. You know what number 3 is, folks? You learn to lengthen the games. You have a these games that teeter on do sad, do sad and the drama intensifies. It's like if you've been watching a College World Series, the long at bats, the 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 full counts where the guy fouls the ball. You hang on your seat, you hold your breath, go, oh, foul ball. Oh foul ball. Oh base hit! No, 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 the guy grabbed it. And it's the drama that makes our sports so great. Those critical games are only about three or four maximum five times during a match, where you have the long war zones. And when you have those war zones, And we call them war zones because they're pivotal times. These are things that help you lock in your lead, or it helps you make a statement like Djokovic did. He did not let any of those games just go. Folks, Djokovic would have lost at the French Open had he lost that first set 6-0. I'm convinced. Look, I'm convinced, And, and, and you might disagree with me, but he would have lost the French Open. He made a statement with those last three games and those last three war zones that he had to come back to 5-3 and make it 6-3, lose the set 6-3, that I'm not going anywhere. And that's what you have to do when you play this great sport. So you learn to lengthen rallies, then points, then games, then guess what? You learn to lengthen the sets. Any player knows that you're playing the number one seed for the first time. You get out there and you... You hit keep rallies in and, and long, long games, and you, get, and you lose 7-5. And then second set, a lot of times, if you're the underdog, you might lose a 6-1. But first set was a war zone. First set was a great, great battle. Wow. I mean, I'm even experiencing this watching my son as a pitcher in <clears throat> the summer baseball. But he'll go three and a half to four innings, and you're saying, let's see how long he can go before he drops off. And, uh, you know, you you, you see a pitcher as in baseball, there's a lot of similarities, but the endurance is in rallies and points, then games. Then you learn to go three sets with somebody. A lot of our kids aren't even going to play a third set match this entire summer. It's disgraceful. They play a tiebreaker for the third set. (laughs) I mean, come on, our leaders out there, I hope you listen. Do you know how damaging that is to a kid? Do you know how damaging it is that they never well, – well, okay, first of all, there's so many things. There's kids who will win the first set and tank the second when they're the worst players, and then they try to win a tiebreaker. This happens all the time. But if you lose the first set to a real top player and you say to yourself, now I've got to win two sets against this tough, tough player, you're going, oh, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I can hang. But if you say, "Okay, I just got to win a tiebreaker, a set, and a tiebreaker," you don't go in. It's it's the body punches. It's like playing three out of five sets. The bravery and being down two sets to none, and after being on the court for an hour and forty-five minutes or even more, and then coming back to win the next three sets. <laughs> are you telling me that you don't become a person of a different level? through that. We're cheating our kids out of that when we don't let them play two out of three set matches. So you learn to lengthen rallies and points, then games, then sets. Then you learn to lengthen your matches. I went three sets and I lost seven, five in the third. Almost always the great JW Eisenhower who coached at NC State for years and one time he told me he said, Look, your guys are doing real well. This was early in this nineteen seventies, but I remembered his loaded language. He said he said, Creasy, he said, Your kids are getting better and better. But usually they'll when they're not very good they lose quickly. Then they'll almost win a set. Then they play really, really close and really, really close and then maybe after four or five times they break through and when they break through they learn how to win close before they ever learn how to win easy he said it's a long process i never forgot what he said there it's exactly true so you learn to lengthen rallies then points then games then sets then matches then you learn to lengthen your tournaments the tournaments you learn how to get to the third round the middle rounds Then one day you find yourself in the semifinals and there's only about eight people left at the tournament, the doubles players and you and your opponent, your opponents. And you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I'm in an elite group. That is a huge rite of passage. You learn to lengthen your tournaments. Then you learn to lengthen your seasons. You put a couple tournaments back-to-back and then you learn to lengthen your careers. Okay, so you learn to lengthen rallies then your points, then your games, then your sets, then your matches, then your tournaments, then your seasons, then your careers. Folks, that is nine steps. Eight, two, four, six, sorry, eight. That's eight steps. Do you understand? Listen, USTA guys, 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 please listen to me what I'm saying here. Listen. I've done this nearly 50 years. You cannot abbreviate the game, which is the third the third cornerstone there, the third anchor, the third thing that kids must learn how to do is lengthen games. <laughs> All right, you know Come on now. Come on. Is there any surprise that it's not our kids' fault, it's not the people training them' fault? But we don't have enough clay court tournaments in Europe. Kids are playing full matches on red clay, on clay, so they're learning how to lengthen rallies, points, games, sets matches tournaments seasons and their careers are dwarfing a lot of our kids our professional kids careers it's not our it's not our kids but we've got to understand you cannot learn those things when you abbreviate things so <clears throat> let's talk about situation let's just take their point of view a little bit here or the USTA's point of view or maybe let's take the point of view of these people who are on these committees now, I'm not bashing you, but I'm going to let's let's go through and talk about a few things. These are suggestions. Number one, please, 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 can you divide the two unique the or the, the tournaments into two objectives or goals, objectives or standards? Okay, that need to be mutually inclusive or exclusive. We need participation goals, and we need competitive developmental goals. Participation goals are those kids, we're just getting into tournaments. My daughter's going to play her first tournament pretty soon. I don't care if she's playing a one-day tournament. or what. I will, no ad, I hate no ad. but, but, But the bottom line, they'll probably play no ad or something. That's okay, participation levels. But I want her, as she gets to be in a competitive environment, like high school tennis. High school coaches, if you're listening, you are doing great great harm to your players if you play no ad scoring or 10-point tiebreakers because they do not develop the competitive skills that they need. The tournament structures, dual match structures of competitive level need to be scoring systems that are traditional now, I'm going to go through, I just wanted to make that, that separation there to start out with it. You should have participation goals or competitive goals. <clears throat> this would be easy to do for the USTA guys, you guys who now have seven different levels. How about making the peewee levels of number seven, six, and five maybe? Eh, do whatever you want to, maybe seven or six, seven or six, not five. Five, we're getting there at a place where we want our kids to start getting a little bit better. But as you move up from five up, you don't bastardize, abbreviate the scoring. Do not dilute it, pollute it, or prostitute it. Do not do that. It hurts our kids. So participation goals are different than competitive goals. So the the two goals for a competitive format, though, should be it should be this. It should number one for competitive format should be to provide the best competitive format for learning, with the opportunity of the player to grow. They need to learn about tennis. We're, we're not going to win a French Open, or maybe I don't know. We haven't had a Grand Slam on the men's side since 2002. I'm just saying 76 tries, 75 tries because we missed a tournament or two, didn't we? But 75 tries, no American champion. It's not you guys' fault who are Americans. I'm not, my gosh, I'm not going to bash Americans. And and I know you coaches are doing your best, but you you can't have the politics doing these stupid things. It's just stupid. It's stupid for our kids to be playing no ad scoring, abbreviated scoring on fast courts all the time and not learn how to make four balls in a row. All of them with their high-packed tip, high packed rackets can smack balls and make shots, but none of them know how to play the game point after point after point. Now, the second goal of competitive format should be to provide the format that is most fair, listen, and the best, so that the best player wins on their, his or her physical, mental, and emotional skills. It's, score, listen, scoring should should reflect what the best player does better than the weaker player right now if i if if this is the truth and i've coached college tennis a long time but i would tell you the most important thing in winning in college is not your ball striking it has a lot to do with it but it's the scoring system The scoring system outweighs the skill set. The scoring system, that game point is an eight-point swing. I've explained that many times. It's an eight-point swing. So if you win all the game points, you're going to win in college tennis. If you win all the deuce points, you're going to win in college tennis. Not necessarily so in in regular tennis because there's so many more elements. But scoring should reflect the skill set. It should not be more important than the skill set. But the physical, mental, and emotional challenges need to be reflected, and they should be addressed, you know, with with our developmental uh, programs. And I'm, look, folks, I'm an educator first. I'm a teacher and educator first. I think I'm a coach second, a tennis person third. I love the sport of tennis more than any of the other sports. In its best form, the sport of tennis is the greatest sport ever developed. In its worst form, it is junk, what they're putting out there now, just junk. And you administrators and you politicians of tennis, shame on you for not taking care of them. Number one, number one, you folks should take care of the history and the heritage of our sport to honor our sport. And <laughs> The tennis gods are not going to honor us unless we honor the sport of tennis first. It's real simple. It just nobody's bigger than the sport of tennis, and that's part of the deal. I think golf probably did a better job than us. We made heroes out of our players. Golf made the players honor the game more than they did themselves. There were heroes in golf, sure, but all of them honored the sports more than themselves. We tried to make celebrities out of our players, and that, that doesn't fly uh, you know that done, doesn't sustain what are the best competitive formats for growth in order of effectiveness here we go so the best for true results an ncaa champion kalamazoo champion a grand slam champion three out of five full sets with regulation scoring three out of five sets you'll never have the worst player win the better player based on his skill sets will win or her skill sets now the next best is two out of three full sets with regular scoring. <laughs> those should be used for high-level competition. All of our national competitions, USTA, should be one of those. All of our national competitions, otherwise why do we want to pay all the money, sometimes a 1000 to $1,500 up to $2,000 for a weekend tournament sometimes, or a week-long tournament? I bet at Kalamazoo it's gonna cost some parents 2000 $2,500 to play, why should they go down there and waste their time on abbreviated scoring, hoping they get lucky enough to win a tiebreaker for the third set or to if our national tournaments use no ad sometimes no ad are you kidding me? Are you kidding me i mean it's it's really, really just disgusting. We should use three out of five or two out of three full sets. All right, but if we have to abbreviate it, here's a few things. Look, as a college coach, we only have three hours of practice usually. We're allowed four day. Usually the match time is just three. So here's what we could do. Best abbreviation might be two out of three sets. Full sets, first set and second set. How about starting the third set at 2-2? That'd be fine. Or listen to this one two out of three sets, why not just play the first set, start at 2-2? Second set's a full set, third set's a full set. That way it's better maybe because you have to win a full set to end the match. I can understand maybe starting at 2-2 for the third. I'm not crazy about that, but I actually would like the, f- the fourth option What I've given you is two out of three sets, set one and two, uh excuse me set set one is started at two two and three and four started just you play regular regular scoring the whole time so you have to win a full set to win okay the next the next one to win huh this is quite interesting so went to a pickup softball game last week with some old old guys and Huh, they were doing something interesting. They not I hate the sco- the scoring, the count, the count in a the, the the one at bat in baseball or softball is very much like tennis. You have the battle and then you have if it's th- if it stays full count. <coughs> it's like it's staying deuce for a long time. All they did is they started at 1-1 in the count. If you have to abbreviate the game, I'm very much against abbreviating the game, but if you had to do it, you could start at 15 all every game, but don't bastardize the do-sad-do-sad that you need. That really separates the better player from the left. But before that, how about this one? We're getting down to these where I've used these in practice. I've got to admit at practice when I have to get some match done and I don't want the longer match that goes two hours or more, I'll say, okay, uh, guys, first set you start at 4-4, 4 Second and third are full sets. Or listen, folks, folks, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you realize that when they play that tiebreaker for the third set, I don't call it the super tiebreaker, I call it the stupor or the not-so-smart tiebreaker, not the stupid tiebreaker. I, I guess we could call it stupid tiebreaker, not a super, tie, super tiebreaker. Give me a break. Give me a break. But if you would play, first of all, I wanted to say about that tiebreaker for the third set, it's such a different momentum and it's such a different sport than playing regular games. You would be better off starting at 3-3 in the third set because you would still have to break someone's serve. You start at 4-4 in the third set, you would still have to break someone's serve. But let's go back to the option If you have to play that tiebreaker, you have to play that tiebreaker, you're giving it a full set value when you let it be the third set score. Why not just play the tiebreaker to first set? All you tournament directors, you want to get your tournament over with your back draw? If you will play the tiebreaker to first set, you will get the correct player, the better player to win that match. Why? Well, if you're the if you're the better player and you lose that first set tiebreaker, believe me, we call it the icebreaker. You're not going to lose that second and third set. Believe me, the better player will win that. However, if the better player wins that first set, they're going to win probably a tiebreaker and that first set. It'll be quick. But very often, you might get the weaker player plays hot for that tiebreaker, and they win the first tiebreaker and then the the other better player wins the other two sets it is just so so wrong to make the better player play that crap in the third set tiebreaker is crap and it hurts players it hurts their development what would be next we've already given you six again five and four of these should never be used in competition and in competitive development skills maybe in participation if you want a participation goal, maybe do that tiebreaker for the third set, then do full set, full set for the second and the third. That way your kids still mm-hmm. learn. All right, uh, let's see what else might oh gosh, how about two out of three sets, start all the sets at two two? That might be good for young ages. Do you do those four game sets? But above all, don't I might have brought this up in a meeting when when they before they threw me off of the committee national committee, for uh, do you believe that I think they thought I was outspoken? I, I was kind, I was polite, but I didn't always agree with them, huh? Well, wasn't that what I was supposed to do to defend the sport of tennis? Anyhow, one of the things I said, the lady even asked me one time, she said, so you'd be more in favor of starting a 2-2 every set, set? I said, yeah, that's better than no ad, but you'll maybe only use that, I told her, in participation goals. So with participation goals, yeah, it'd be all right. To start 2-2 the first set, 2-2 the second. Don't do that 1, 2, 3, four crap do two start at two two and then just call it if it's a four oh set call it six two nobody cares it doesn't it doesn't matter we're down to participation stuff all right so that's about number six or seven do you know what we use for number eighth best alternative is what we use right now in in consolation two out of three sets and then tiebreaker for the third. Or number seven. Tell me, which one are these? Seven and eight. They both smell. They both stink. Two out of three sets, no ad scoring is what we do in college. I got it down here, number eight, number nine. Eight and nine is that. Number nine would be no ad scoring and a tiebreaker for the third. Oh, whoa, Here's might be a better one. You know what is not bad? Nine game pro, a game pro set. with regular scoring is better than a two out of three sets, no ad. Now, listen, okay, before I go any further, (laughs) I didn't mention the six-game set they're doing for doubles. Is that laughable, parents? Is that laughable? The six-game set, no ad scoring for doubles, is that laughable? Do you really want to take your youngster to a tournament, drive five hours, get there and say, oh, one set? And it's over in 20 minutes. That's like going, when I used to go uh, to one of my daughter's swim meets, and she's in heat number 48, and she swims down and back, and she's got a cap on her head, and I can't tell it's her. And I'll be there half asleep, and my wife will hit me and say, she's swimming, she's swimming. And I'm going, what, what, where, where, where? She says lane five. Okay, which way? Over there, over there. Wait a minute, it's over. Where she did how'd she do? How did she do? that's that's about how if you want a laughable experience it's not laughable it's sad if you go to a college tennis match that's about what you what you get with the with the college doubles match now it is laughable it is laughable to play a six game set of doubles no ad Play a game pro set regular scoring. This was the Scarpa scoring system was a great abbreviation. The great Paul Scarpa winning his coach in the history of college tennis at Furman University. He coached also at Navy and at Florida State. Uh, But Paul Scarpa, shout out to you as being one of the best tennis minds. And if you haven't done it yet, coach, you've got to get your book written. I told him, and I don't think he'd mind, but he doesn't need to bite the bullet. He does he He needs to stay around long enough to get us get us a tennis book out there, because half of the half of the ideas I ever used were shared to me by the great Paul Scarpa. But we had we argued, folks, for so long in those ita meetings back in the late 80s and early 90s it was usually the northeastern coaches ivy leaguers against the sec acc versus the west coast people and some of them had more liberal ideas than not and and they were trying to abbreviate and shorten and i always thought oh they always said welfare to kids the welfare to kids no you guys just don't want to work hard enough to get your kids in shape you dag on it, what the heck? <laughs> and they were, oh, we're going to get tennis on TV. Oh, really? Well, I would always say, well, really? Well, just if you get on TV, we'll do a hoochie-coochie show. We'll do any scoring you want, get us on TV. It's not about TV. That was just a red herring like crazy, <laughs> or a red herring being used very often would be the way to say that. But Coach Scarpa Coach Scarpa gets up and he says, let me tell you, let me tell you what. And Coach Scarpa said, look, let's play A-game pro sets for doubles. You win two out of three, you get the point. Then play full matches for singles. at If you're worried about time, that'll save you time. And that was, that was a fair format. It wasn't my favorite. We developed players great in the 70s and the 80s when we played two out of three full sets of singles, two out of three full sets of doubles, and players got better. Because they got the reps. Now this, oh, now they they some of the teams will stop the match when if a team gets to four they stop. They call it clinch. Oh, it's cute, clinch. We clinched it. Yeah, it's it's uh, not not a not a good thing. But the pro set was not such a bad deal. It was just sorta, of, it was okay. Not as good as two out of three sets. I have brought forward lots and lots of ideas and issues today. I um we will have a, a a person on next week. I'm gonna get get a I'm hoping to get my uh you know, foreign player and great, great coach, uh Josh Goffey on the program sometime soon. What he's doing at the University of South Carolina is fantastic. There's a lot of great college coaches out there that are doing great work. There's a lot of coaches out there. But I want you to know that you know tennis is still the greatest sport in the world, and I'm speaking to you uh, you know, the USTA people, your service organization listen, I know very many, a lot of you guys down there that work there, and you work you know, tirelessly, many hours with young people all over our country. And we need to be grateful for the opportunities we're given. However, I know how political, the politics of these things work. And if any of you, you're in business or you're in a school systems or thing, but a lot of times the loudest mouths get the biggest audience at first. And it, with now with the way the Internet is, sometimes people can have a soapbox without ever having accomplished anything, with very little experience, and they have an opinion that they push forward because they're the loudest megaphone in the room. This ain't right. And and very often we, we give people credit, gosh, whether it's Hall of Fame for administrators when they don't deserve it, or we get people, we give people creditations that they don't deserve, but, you know, and it's so harming when we allow kids to advance in tournaments where they haven't suffered enough to learn the game. When you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. And, you know, USTA, if you're after participation, you must understand something, that participation does not breed excellence. Excellence will breed participation all the time. But it's hard-earned excellence. It's excellence that comes through the blood, sweat, and the tears of doing the right things over and over and over and over and over again. For us to have champions, we have to have championship training, we need championship training. We need championship mentoring. But most of all, we need championship incentives with our scoring system and the way our tournaments are run. We, we do not have championship incentives. We don't need systems. We don't, we don't need more hoochie-coochie shows and, and, oh, this is so many points and that's so many. Kids do not play for points. Kids play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. They want to be able to say, I won the Orange Bowl. I won the Cracker Bowl. I won Kalamazoo. Don't you dare think about changing Kalamazoo and pushing it down to Lake Nona. Don't you do that. You already taken the NCAA tournament and pushed it down there a couple times, you guys. That's not going to grow tennis. It, it does not help tennis. We need, the youngsters would rather win Kalamazoo than be ranked number one in the country. They would. They would rather have, win a tournament of heritage, a Crackerland, a Pepsi 16, the South Carolina State High School Championship. They would rather have a title than to be ranked, to be ranked something higher. And the UTR, I, I got. Look, the UTR. I know a lot about that from its inception. The guy came up with that is a brilliant man, a brilliant man. Coach Dave, you know, I'm talking about you out there, brilliant and a good man, Dave Howe. You know, and, and then uh, <clears throat> Daryl, thanks, a lot, lot of great work there. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. It was meant, and it should be meant for kids' self-improvement. The problem's happening now because it's a measuring stick, is that kids are sizing up others against what where they're at. And they're they're going after the wrong thing. They're going after goals that are not that are not I don't want to say idealistic. I'm not I don't mean that. They're going after goals that are shallow. The rankings of this. I was hey, I was at eleven point one. Okay, wait a minute. Was that you know, hat size, shoe size? No, it's shoe size. Eleven point one I was shoe size. Okay. No. Kid kids play listen, kids play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. And if a kid is the best player, he needs to be the state champion. It doesn't we shouldn't have state champions. Why? Because kid play just the most tournaments. We we should have the right champions. When we champion a week, we're gonna weaken all of our real champions. Well heck, I know I'm opinionated folks. I know that I am fired up about tennis. I love tennis. I love the sport it, the game is something, but the sport is the greatest there ever was. I've played all the sports, or just about all the sports, I think six different sports growing up. And <laughs> I used to love basketball, but, boy, have they made a sham of basketball. Isn't it terrible? They have just, oh, my golly, it's just awful what they've done. The marketing people have been allowed to run that into the ground, into the ground. But tennis, uh, let, let's let's do our part. Let's try to... Excuse me, let's try to do our part. stand up, speak out, say what needs to be said, address issues, not people. I challenged I uh, brought up a few names here, and you folks want to talk, give me a call. You know how to get a hold of me, but i you know i I credit everybody that's been in this sport, and but i I want you to stand up and speak out for the integrity of the history and the heritage of our game. No cheap shots. we do not want to dilute pollute. Nor prostitute the greatest game that has ever, ever, the greatest sport that has ever, ever, ever invented. So, I want to remind you to do that. And, and thanks for listening today. We will have a great uh, guest next week. With about 15 seconds ago, I wanted to tell you that you're always in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and has very little to do with a win or losses. Coach Chuck Creasy. In